quickly before we go ahead and start today's episode guys we do have a sponsor for this episode today's sponsor is platinum profit they are a bot restock and a release group dedicated to making you money some of their features include custom tools which include an autofiller a link opener and a custom spoof browser which is in development at the moment and then they have different kinds of flips within their group aside from all the major sneaker releases such as low-key flips and brick flips and they have a free almighty checkout run on all the top bots on every major release so you can go ahead and secure yourself some pairs for being in the group they're currently priced at $29 a month and their socials will be linked down below to go ahead and check them out I highly recommend hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the bot talk this one is going to be a good one we have wash cups on the show we're going to speak about palace bot himself his origin story a bunch of stuff quickly before we go ahead and start today's live premiere you guys will have a chance to go ahead and secure a copy of palace bot within this live premiere so stay tuned let's jump straight into the first question i do want to ask wash cops on the show how did you discover reselling yeah so this is an interesting question because i think i actually found out about reselling a lot later than most people uh i'd say i found out about reselling basically when i got into my freshman year of high school so like 2017 i had a friend who's into reselling and i had tons of classes with him so i was used to see him using taskbot in class like on his mac just in the middle of class because usually most drops around 10 a.m our time and so he would just pull out his computer in the middle of class and so i always knew about reselling to some extent but i never thought i would get into it because uh i just didn't really know about how the whole thing worked but since i always liked shoes back then i thought maybe i could make money from them and doing that would be pretty fun so i kind of just observed him for a while and then finally started going for some sneaker releases on my own, learning about everything that actually goes on in the scene of sneaker reselling. And then one thing led to another, and now I'm pretty much here. Yeah, it's very common. I say this in a lot of episodes. It's very common for people in the community to go ahead and tap into reselling through their friends. And I've done it before as well. I've seen my friends resell Supreme, and that's how I kind of got into this entire thing. You saw it happening in class. But the one thing that is kind of interesting to me, you saw your friend botting. Uh, so yeah, that I actually wanted to say that too, because I feel like when he was um, into reselling, he was into reselling a lot earlier than most people too, at least for our age at the time, because I think his older brother is a reseller too, or he is a reseller too. And so... Um, he was he was actually using a lot of these older bots like Taskbot that you know not many people knew about. So that's that was really new to me as well. Definitely. I mean, when it comes to a lot of people in this community, they see people, let's say for example, it's Adidas release. They won't use any boss to just sit in the splash page and they'll show the manual experience. And then the person goes into the manual experience, then they find out about bots. And also because bots are more convenient and you can scale your profit better, they go ahead and go for that option. But it's interesting to me that you first saw bots. And that's something I do want to get into. But when you were first getting to reselling, you were learning about it for your friend, you were seeing how much money you could make. What were some of the first memorable releases you went for? Definitely some of the first memorable releases were uh, based around Adidas, because obviously Adidas hype was still pretty high back then. If you remember things like, um, you know, Pharrell's were still reselling, like the Human Race NMDs. So I think the first couple of releases I really went for were like, some of the um pharrell nmds i can't remember exactly which colorways and some like yeezy 350s uh i'd say like the blue tints and you know the beluga 2.0s and those are really the first drops that i actually like tried to get you know maybe multiple pairs of that i can remember definitely i mean the profit margins back then for adidas releases 
who are much higher and that's one thing I did want to tap into. I've asked the previous guest on the show last week about what they thought about the resale dropping dramatically over time because when you looked back on previous Adidas releases, hitting one pair was seen as a major success. There was huge profit margins there with some of the oil Yeezys and the NMDs but comparing it to how it is now where people cop hundreds of Yeezys and flip it for maybe like $50, $40 profit, what's your whole opinion on the whole downgrade of profit? What do you want to see with the profit margins going forward? Yeah, so that's definitely an interesting question too. And I think that the way it is now, even though you, you, you always see, like you go on Twitter, you always see these people complaining about how reselling was a lot easier back then. All you need to do is cop one pair of shoes and you make $1,000. But when you look at it from the company's standpoint, like Adidas or Nike, um, this kind of thing is in, uh, inevitable pretty much. Because what they did was they built up their hype with their brand with uh, limited releases. And now they're using that hype to just pump out shoes, you know, every other week. You see a Yeezy like every every two weeks or something like that. So, I, I mean, I, I understand. I completely understand the business standpoint of it. But obviously for us, you could argue it's not like the best compared to how it was in the past. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Then I like how you touched on the business side as well as our side because it just gives two perspectives. But when you touch on the business, if you're going to release more pairs, in theory, more profit is going to come in and the business is not going to go against that trend. They're obviously going to keep pumping out releases, keep pumping out stock to go ahead and meet the demand and to be honest the demand has met that very nicely i think i still think that demand overshoots stock by a huge amount i feel like everyone feels the same way there but it's interesting to see how adidas are dropping shoes like every two weeks like you said and they're still pumping out of silhouettes of the v2s some are very questionable i'd say in my opinion but yeah it's de it's definitely one thing to look at. I mean, the business is doing well and the revenue's there. So it's amazing to see the business doing well. But for our side, we do struggle a little. But one thing our community is known for is always adapting to these sites. So it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. I like the point you made there that the demand has kind of met the, the stock, which I completely agree with. I think more and more people, not just reselling, but like shoes in general, just shoes and reselling. So many more people get into it every day that it basically... The companies like Nike and Adidas, they probably recognize that and they just start pumping out more shoes to match that. Yeah, I feel like the one comparative that I can talk about is when people start getting into trading. I, I saw a lot of ads where like someone would rent a Lamborghini, put them in the garage, put a camera up and be like, get into trading now, join my group, etc, etc. The typical ad, I know a lot of people that watch these episodes are very tapped into the way social media works. So I'm sure they've seen a couple of those ads, but I'm starting to see a botting and sneaker reselling go down that route. Like everyone's doing it now. You see lots of TikTok channels, or if Chan's the correct word there, talking about sneaker yeah. reselling. It's like a main thing. I, I, I can't remember who posted it, but someone there was like a advertisement poster in a train i was talking about investing in stocks or investing in sneakers and two years ago that was unheard of like investing in sneakers wasn't as popular as it is now i feel like maybe one in ten people are very aware of it because it is a big thing yeah definitely i definitely agree with that so we've spoke about manualing and going for all these releases before you met bots you've seen it a little from your friend obviously but I want to speak about how you discovered the botting community. Yeah, so the way I discovered um, botting, obviously, is through my friend. Um, he, he had been using them pretty much since the start of right when I saw reselling. So even, even still, I didn't get into botting right away like most people. I went for some releases manually, like, you know, sitting in the Adidas splash page, all that. But 
in terms of really getting into the botting community, I think like pretty soon I I can't it's been a while, so I can't remember exactly which bot I started out with, but it probably was something like A and B AIO. Remember like back in the old days it used to be pretty decent. And then kind of just building on from that with the help of some, you know, some average bots and maybe like a cook group or something or information from your friends, you just kind of build on that and expand your bots. And that's just kind of how I got started in the botting community. And from there, obviously, just kind of went into investing into more bots and more tools to help me get more pairs of shoes. Definitely. I feel like one of the stages when I talk to someone on the bot talk is the stage where you're slacking copy when you first join, like you're literally just knocked on the door of the community and you first on, you got your first bot, like A and B that like we spoke about. And I want to speak about that in a second, but that time period is often the hardest to recall. Like if I go back on it, the only reason I can recall about it is because I was doing YouTube back then, but I feel like a wide majority of people don't remember the whole journey of stacking carpet or not going for all these releases because you don't have all the money in the world. Obviously cost, mm -hmm implementing cost management and not being in all the best cook groups, getting information from random places. I feel like that time period isn't as memorable as like when you make it to the top, obviously. So it's nice to look back on. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So we spoke about A and B there and I wanted to tap into that. A and B is one of arguably one of the biggest bots in the community because of the amount of revenue it's made over its lifetime. Similar with NSB, it's always in stock and they've poured a lot of money into marketing. If people there's a lot of people that only favor the whole idea of restocking like once a month and going with that whole business model. But this company always in stock poured a huge amount of money into marketing. I wanted to tap into that because obviously with your bot, it's very limited and it is going to be very limited. You don't have it always available and you don't pour a lot of money into marketing because it doesn't really need much marketing. I want to tap into your opinion on bots that reside with that business model. Yeah, so... The way I want to talk about this is that I think that what A and B did uh, is 100% really smart. They Basically, the way their business model is, like you said, it's based off marketing and appealing to newer people into the community. And so if someone's experienced, like you don't, you don't see most people in this community that have been here for a while trying to buy A and B. But... You know, every almost every new person has heard of NBAIO, and obviously that's because of their marketing. So what I think is that if you go that route, this ties into the development and like things like the sites you support. So NB I think supports like Easy Supply, Foot Sites, um, Shopify. So like a lot of those major sites that even if they mass release their bot their users can still find success. Because if you just mass release something and it's just nobody has success, it's pretty much just a scam at that point. But A&B is definitely not a scam. It's had good success over its lifetime. So when you have sites like those where you can have tons of users and still have success, that marketing plan of just releasing as many copies as you can and spending all your money in marketing can definitely like monetary uh, or like in terms of making money, it's probably one of the smartest things to do, in my opinion. But for us, like when you have a sh site like Shoe Palace or literally anything else that's kind of untapped and limited, you can't uh, just do the same thing. 
Definitely, because let's say if you were on your first initial release, because at the time of recording this video, guys, Palisbot hasn't had his first initial release. By the time this comes out, Fargo goes to plan, it's had his first initial release. So let's say you were to GR Palisbot on the first release. Obviously, a ton of money would come in, but it kind of goes counterintuitive with the actual bot because then all these users are going into a site that's not very tapped in, like you said, and that just takes away success overall, and there's a bunch of problems. But when bots go ahead and tap into sites that... I supported by quite a few bots, but there's loads of stock and there's loads of users going for it. There is success all around. However, it's just a lot lower because there's a lot of bots going for it. Yeah, that's pretty much the point. But I think both uh, both ways of running a bot, the GR way and the super limited way, have their advantages, obviously. Like, you look at A&B, uh, the most obvious thing to point out is little to no um, value in the aftermarket and you look at some of these limited bots and you see some crazy value in the aftermarket. So you, you have to factor all these things in when um, developing or creating your own bot. So it just depends on what works best for you in terms of long-term success and long-term uh, money, obviously. Definitely, and one part of Spot that interested me was the monthly fee, which we will get to in a moment later on in the episode, because I definitely want to jump into that. Pricing of bots has been a very interesting topic at the moment, so I do want to jump into that a little later on. We spoke about how you purchased AMB as one of your first bots when you joined the community. However, what were some of the first communities you were involved with when you first joined the botting community? Yes, yeah, so this is a great question. So basically, first, um, the initial communities. I joined, I can't really remember names, probably tons of random groups. Like you'd go out on Twitter, you'd go out on like, uh, and just find random like groups to join. And I think I was in like a ton of them. And that was like really early on when I was just learning. I really didn't know like what a cook group was. Obviously I learned pretty quick. It's just a way to distribute information. And what happened was this, here's a pretty interesting story. So I joined a bunch of cook groups and then about a year later, I'd say my sophomore year, so 2018, the friend who got me into reselling, his older brother actually um, created a cook group of his own. And so I kind of just watched him and it was pretty interesting to see how he was creating a cook group, you know, making some decent money and able to pr not only provide information, but help these people get success, you know, get shoes and make money of their own. So it's just like a great community overall. And that's what's kind of uh, spurred me to end up making my own cook group another year later. Definitely. I mean, when it comes to inspiration, if you're taking it from your friends and they're being supportive about it, you can basically use them as a mentor. You can pick up what they did well on and the mistakes they made and essentially refine your experience when creating groups and making sure you don't make those mistakes to make the best experience for your customers. So it is definitely a very smart move. I feel like a lot of kids... I say kids, I mean like unexperienced people just jump head in first with no information. And I get that this idea of taking a risk in business and taking a risk, obviously scared money don't make money. It's one of those sayings where you have to take risks to get the rewards. But I definitely think the strategy you took where you sat back, you're like, okay, what is he doing? How is he doing it? What money he's making? Is this something that's going to make money straight away? Will I have to invest something, make a loss for a few months and then start breaking even? I definitely think that strategy is the best way to go about it. Yeah, because it basically minimizes risks you take. And if you have some someone to look at, someone to you know observe what they're doing. And I, I don't really have like, I don't really think it's like copying, like replicating if you do something, you know, different, that's your own style. 
as well. Definitely taking your own spin on it. If you look at just modern day businesses, in a way, everyone kind of copies each other if they're in the same industry. I mean, like you have bots that created the monthly model and now you're seeing a lot more bots adapt that monthly model, put their own spins on it. And by all means, I definitely feel like businesses should copy each other on certain elements or take inspiration from each other because if customers are liking that whole idea, you know there's a market for that. You can go ahead and capitalize on that and then make your product successful. Yeah, definitely. The monthly model, uh, the monthly model kind of thing in the community has definitely grown. And I think it's, I think it's good because it gives more money back to the people creating these products, which I think is, um, has been kind of undervalued in the past. I think like someone else said this before, but the, the difference between the aftermarket and the the cost that you actually paid the developers for these spots or these group owners for their groups is way too high. And I think I agree with that as well. Yeah, definitely. That is one thing I do want to tap into. And my opinion resides with yours as well. I have a very a few interesting opinions on it. But before we get to that, one transition that I'm very interested in. So you're a bot owner. You're very successful in my opinion. You're making money. Obviously, your group is uh, very much known. And then what sparked the idea to say, okay, I'm a group owner, but I want to push forward. I want to create my own bot. How was that whole process like? Yeah, so this actually has a pretty interesting story too. So obviously, uh, I've been a Shaw Solutions owner for almost a year now. And that was my main focus. I used to put all my time into working on the group. Um, not not to say that I neglect it now. Obviously, we are adding things every day. But the way I started into wanting to make Palace Spot was I always used to like the Shoe Palace site in a way because back in the day, I'd say a few years ago, you'd be there's like multiple methods of how to how to get past the timer on the website and add to cart the shoes. And it was just one of one of the few sites that were left that were pretty much like untapped, at least by public bots. So like you could you could go on there and manually get a couple pairs of every shoe pretty much, I'd say a few years ago. So then pretty recently, uh, I can't remember exactly when, maybe the, was it the Cinder drop? The Cinder 350s or maybe a little bit before that? I realized that no one at least not publicly, no one looked into the site too much and tried to see if it was bottable. So I started looking into the site. I found a few things that might, I found a few things that actually helped you check out manually even faster. And then I thought like, what if this could be automated? So then that's when I met the other two um, people on the Spot team, Developer Virus and Sades. And we kind of just went from there. Definitely, it's a smart idea. I mean, Shoe Palace was definitely a site that I didn't hear much about until you actually brought it up with Palace Bot. That was one of the main things because when I heard about Palace Bot and I heard about buying Shoe Palace, I was like, I've never really seen a bot publicly bought that before. And then obviously, because of you announcing that certain bot started supporting it, but, and that's inevitable, but it is definitely interesting finding quiet sites. And if you know there's a lot of stock being allocated to it and it's very easy to get pairs, arguably a few years ago through manual, then automating that process was definitely a good idea. Yeah. So the way we actually, um, a little bit more into specifics, the way we actually figured out how to work around the shoe pile site and be able to buy shoes on there was 
I actually found out a way to, I'm not sure if this is too much of an issue now, but before before all these shoe power spots came around, before power spot was there, shoe Palace used to have uh, one of the worst payment processors. I'm not sure if they've upgraded it yet. I'm pretty sure it's still pretty bad and gives a lot of errors, but their payment processor was pretty horrible. And so even if you got a cart, it would probably take you like an hour just to check out that one cart. So I was just kind of playing around with the checkout and uh, long story short, I found this one thing you change up a little bit and it lets you check out every time. So that was the first step. And then when I met Chef Sades, who is another co-owner of Powspot, it turned out that he knew how to get a 100% chance, uh, like a, a, a way to cart 100% of the time. So if you put carting together with checkout and then basically you combine those two, you basically have a full site checkout, right? So then basically we just took those two together, brought in developer virus who puts the bot on your screen and then that's basically it. And that's when we started, you know, hitting pretty, pretty much like every pair on shoe palace at one point. Definitely. I mean, the success is definitely there. I've tapped into your personal Twitter as well as the Palace Bot Twitter to keep up with the success because it did pique my interest. And that's when I was like, okay, let's get him on the bot so I can speak about it. But the success is definitely there. I know the public are very excited for it. But before we go into the whole development process, because I definitely do want to speak about that, what inspired the name Palace Bot? Okay, so the name is actually, it's not a, it's not a pretty, it's not too interesting of a story, but the way we came up with the name was when we first started off, we thought we would just do uh, slots or auto checkout, right? So on Twitter, we we got the handle Palace Slots, and basically Palace just came from Shoe Palace and Slots, just slots to keep it simple. And then we got a logo and everything, which is still the same logo that we use, but we, we initially set out to be uh, a slot service. And then once we found out that I don't think we didn't charge for any slots. They're pretty much all free. But once we found out like this wasn't very efficient and it's easier just to let users like on their own use the software instead of, you know, running them slots, we decided to change it. And we had, um, I think we had like a short discussion of what to change it to, but we couldn't really figure out any ideas. So we literally just called it Palace Spot. That's it. Yeah, it's very simple. It's to the point. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, is it a bot that supports Palace? But then once I understood that the main success comes from Shoe Palace, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And one thing, I don't know who designed it, but the design of the UI and the overall branding is sick. Like, that is one thing that kind of pointed out to me. Because you do see a lot of generic branding these days, and it kind of goes unrecognized. Like, I just see a generic branding. I'm not very interested in it. But Palace is definitely unique. The UI is definitely satisfying and I obviously haven't used the bot yet but I'm pretty sure it's nice to use. I've seen a few videos as well so I'm very excited for like the general public to go ahead and get their hands on it and uh, when they use it I just overall feel like it's gonna be one of those bots where their UI definitely stands out from the rest. Yeah um, so f- as far as the UI and the overall branding that all came from um, Jail. He's on Twitter mm-hmm. and he works with a lot of companies and at first, when I first met him, he said that with our UI, he wanted to do something new. And I really didn't know what to expect. But when he finally came out with it, yeah, I was definitely surprised and liked it a lot too. The way he did the buttons and things were, it's something called like neomorphism, basically where they're kind of uh, 
like raised and when you click them they kind of go in and come back out and just little details like that kind of made the ui really great obviously the ui doesn't really pertain to the performance of the bot mm -hmm. but either way it's a cool feature definitely i mean i've been looking at jailbroke tesla's um work for a while and he's definitely a very talented guy i like to keep my eyes on certain people that uh, spark interest so obviously when he designed that i was like okay that's a banger design but we spoke about the beginning process to start in palace bot obviously it was a slot company at first then you were like okay let's make the bot let's go for this entire process but when you were in that beginning process was there anything else that was like challenging or was there any ideas that were coming to mind that basically accelerate it to the point it's at now. Yeah, so when we first started off um, deciding to make PAL spot instead of PAL slots, um, we there's definitely, it was, a, it was a sudden kind of change in mindset. So there's still a lot of things we had to do and that's why it's taken a bit of time because obviously you can't just come out with a bot in one day. There's a lot of things that has to be done. Like you have to, you have to create a, some sort of website, some sort of dashboard for, you know, key management for users. You need to, you need to protect your bot in some way from uh, people trying to steal code. You need to add all these features. Like you need to make the experience user friendly, because the way we had it at first is it was just a bunch of code, and you'd run it in your terminal, and it would be pretty. It, like if you gave it to some random person, they would never figure out how to use it. Only if you had instructions from the developer of how exactly what to do and where that like you'd be able to run the bot. So obviously changing something like that into something that you can just double click, you know, turn on and click start tasks and it would start buying shoes for you. There's a whole process to that. And so we decided when we started that it was going to take a bit of time, but we're, we were going to take our time and make sure everything is done right before the release. I agree with that. I see a lot of boss that just jump to beta phases and go through that whole idea. I mean, beta phases is perfectly fine, but I feel like you should definitely nail the bot and make it a good standing product in the market before going ahead and go through that whole process of like perfecting it and making it to a point where it's coming out of beta and it's a final product. So I commend you to that and I also commend the team because I know Palace Bot has been rumored for a while like it, it's been coming for a while so i'm very excited to see their release like the engagement on twitter has been insane which is one thing i do want to talk about like i even dm'd you by i was like i don't think you broke some records but you're definitely like top three or top two or something because the boss not even out you know what i mean like it's a uh, it's pretty cracked like i was looking at it i was like whoa all right but that is going to reflect very well because i hope he, i hope it's very successful and i'm pretty sure it will be but with the success and the engagement, it's just going to go crazy. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I did want to tap into something. So we spoke about how there were memories with Shoe Palace and obviously you securing a few manual pairs each release a few years ago, but you do actually support some other sites as well. Now, I wanted to tap into why you decided to support those sites versus making like a Yeezy Supply Bot or Supreme Bot. Yeah, so the reason we decided to support sites like uh, Walmart, Best Buy, Target, and all those kind of non-shoe related sites first is because the goal of our bot is just to kind of make the users money. And especially right now with everything that's going on in the world, uh, not like there's a lot of things besides shoes that are reselling. I guess that's a simple way to put it. Like almost everything you see, like I was going to buy some computer parts one day and 
motherboards, a bunch of video cards were sold out and you go on eBay and you see that stuff reselling. So we just thought that adding sites like that would just be an easy way for our users to, you know, buy some stuff and make some money because the overall goal of our bot is just for users to be able to use it, make money and keep paying their, keep making more than the monthly renewal fee that we're charging them. Definitely. I mean, adding all those sites at the moment with the whole thing that's going on in the world right now, I actually can't say what this video is going to get flagged. So I won't say, but um, there's a lot of things you can resell. You've seen people reselling uh, pools. I remember when gyms first shut down in the UK, uh, dumbbells were being resold as well. And it's insane to see. Times are very, very different. If you said this to us in January, we'd probably laugh in your face because everyone's kind of reselling stuff now you've got people reselling like clothes obviously that is thing but i'm talking about like retail clothes that should be easy to get but now it's it's, it's interesting what we do live in i want to see what the steps are moving forward with all these businesses because a lot of them are going into administration and things like that but swerving back to what we were speaking about i definitely feel like the idea of making your users money and making them more money than they're paying so at the moment it's 60 dollars a month so in my opinion it is a very fair price we'll touch upon that towards the end of the episode but having that idea to say okay let's support loads of sites or a good amount of sites a variety of them so we can make our users a lot of money is definitely an idea i can get behind yeah and we do um, we do plan on adding a few more interesting sites. There's one site in particular that we're pretty excited about. We haven't looked into it too much, but we feel that maybe it could be something similar to what we've done to Shoe Palace. Maybe it might take some time. And then also some of these sites like that many bots support, like Foot Sites, Finish Line, that's all uh, I think down the line too, because all we have to do is crack the general, reverse engineer the general protections like Akamai and Perimeter X. And after that, we should be able to add them pretty easily as well. Yeah, the future for Palace Bar is looking very, very bright. I mean, with the success you have on TruePalace right now, adding sites that are similar to that, it's going to be amazing to see. But there's one final time period that I did want to tap into in this episode, and that is the end stretch. Now, I'd say right now, you haven't done the listening release I'd say you're in the end stretch right now. You're finishing things up and then you're going to go into your initial release. Talk to me about this time period. How has it been? Has it been stressful? How has the team been feeling overall? How has it been for you? So honestly, I think it's been feeling pretty like a normal day because unlike a lot of these bots, we've taken our time at this point. We've taken our time to perfect pretty much everything. The bot itself, obviously there's still going to be bugs when we give them to users New, because more users just means we find out more things that are wrong with it that we'll have to fix. But besides from that, things like things like the dashboard, the website, everything should be ready by the time we release. So we're not really too stressed out about that. But this whole end stretch period has pretty much been about figuring out the details of our release, how to release, what we're going to do when once we release, obviously making stuff like guides, terms of service, all that's finalizing kind of stuff before we release our software to the public. Yeah, so 
I definitely, I've thought about this too. So even if we do scale up the website a ton, uh, a crash is always possible. Like you see things like, even when, if you remember when Cyber did that one, the first initial restock when they used that game, Pac-Man, like for the whole one minute after that Twitch stream, like it was just completely broken, even though they, they scaled it up a ton and not just Cyber, just almost every bot. So we're still figuring it out. We have a few days left, but I had planned first come first serve probably with some sort of, uh, some sort of way to prevent the link from getting spammed all at once, which would hopefully prevent a server crash, but we're still figuring it out and hopefully we can figure something out that will make it fair for everyone on the 10th. Well, when you guys are watching this episode, it's already happened. So either it went well or it didn't. I hope it did, but it's going to be interesting to see how that whole release goes. Um, I'm interested to see how it goes as well because, and to see the aftermarket as well. Uh, are you making it resellable? Is that going to be a thing? Or yeah, at the moment we do plan on allowing unbinding and selling it to marketplaces. So that should be a thing. Perfect. I mean, there is a lot of uh, bot pumping at the moment. Uh, there's a few examples that like uh, it doesn't make sense. But you know, there's money to be made. So just go make the money. But I'm very interested to see the aftermarket value and um, I'm very interested to see the aftermarket value after an actual release as True Palace happens and the, and the success comes in. So I'm very excited for that but one of the final questions here, when it came to the pricing of Palace Bot, what was your general thought process like? So just for the viewers, just if you guys don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's $300, $300 at retail and then it's $60 a month afterwards, right? Yeah, so 300 and then every month after is 60 so first year that would be 11 months so we kind of just took bot prices we've seen before like you see a lot of bots selling their bot at a retail of like 250 and then every six months they'll charge like 100 or 200 dollars or something like that and then you see some of these newer bots that like rush like Koda is not a newer bot, but they still do the monthly, I think it's like $55 a month or something. And, <laughs> and obviously rush with the $100 a month or $1,000 yearly. And so we thought that do we, we don't want our kind of the, for the amount of work we've put in, we don't want the money we make to be based off the aftermarket. And we wanted to try and close the gap of that as much as possible. And we, we, we were confident that our users are going to make this money back. So we felt comfortable charging $60 a month, which is actually the same as what I charge for my cook group. So something that basically just helps the people make money. And if they continue making more than that, I feel like it's a fair price. Definitely. I mean, I'm just going to give my personal opinion and I've got no affiliation with Palace, but I've got no reason to agree with this. I could easily disagree with this, but the reason why I do agree with this is because when it comes to bots these days, when you have the big bots up there that don't do monthly models and they do that every six months for X amount, similar to like Cyber, for example, or any other company in that type of market segment, you're going to see a lot of backdoors. Do I blame them for backdooring? No, I don't. But 
it just makes it a lot more easier if you have a monthly fee. And I definitely do think developers should be paid more. I feel like the work they put into, into a successful bot should go noticed. And obviously with this monthly model, uh, you're paying $60 a month for the first 11 months. And then you're paying that $300 to secure your key and secure access to the bot. I, I'd say it's very fair. I mean, there's people out there saying that you should have charged more. I personally feel like you hit it right on the nail because you know you have the 300 up front and then you have these $60 every month after that. So I'd say it's a very good price point. Yeah, so that was basically, we thought it would be a fair price in terms of for us and for our users. So we kind of just decided on that. Definitely, there hasn't been much negative outroll when it comes to the uh, pricing of the bot. But one thing that did kind of interest me is that, let's say a Palace bot released before Rush. I would be interested to see the reaction because I know a lot of people aren't going to remember this, but when Rush was first announced its pricing, people didn't like that. Like there was a section of people that did not like its pricing. So I was, I'm interested to see, I would have been interested to see how the initial reaction would have been to your pricing if you released before Rush, because now people are more used to it, but it's definitely uh, one thing to think about. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Definitely. If we did release before Rush, I feel like it would be similar to what, uh, what happened to Rush, where they got a lot of negative backlash, even though most of that is gone now since they've kind of proven their success. But yeah, I definitely agree with you that Rush definitely set some sort of standard, and after that, people aren't really bothered about the pricing because they see the that they can you know make that money back, and it's not like an outrageous amount to pay for a bot. Definitely, I feel like a lot more people are lining with that opinion. But for the final question of today's episode, you've helped me move over to the restock part of this episode. You are right at the beginning of your bot journey. It's going to be an amazing one, I hope. What is your hopes for Bali Spot going forward? So at the moment, uh, the future plans for our bot are just to continue working on the websites we already have, providing consistent success to our users month by month. And also, uh, we have some pretty big plans on adding, like I said before, some new sites, and we still want to work on those. Obviously, while we continue adding, we want to maintain our current success. So all, all this probably won't be too soon, but hopefully not too long either with the new sites. The overall goal is just to keep the bot consistent and kind of make it a stable bot that you know, like, you know how you see some of these bots that you just know on every release are going to do good. So let's kind of make it something like that. Definitely. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how we look back on this conversation because I hope to be doing the bot talk in a year's time. I definitely want to have you back on to uh, speak about Palace Bot, how its progress has been going. So I'm very interested to see that. And I'm very interested to see the additions you bring to Palace Bot. And that is going to go ahead and conclude the interview part of this episode. What I want you guys to do right now before anything else, go down below in the description, follow Washcrops on Twitter and follow Palace Bot on Twitter. I highly, highly recommend it. And now let's move over to the restock part of this episode. Essentially what's going to happen, guys, it's going to cut to a clip of me explaining what's going to happen and the restock countdown timer is going to pop up and then the restock will commence best of luck guys so the restock part of this episode guys it is very very simple after the countdown a discord invite is going to be on the screen with one letter or number missing the last slot of the actual invite there will be instructions on screen to get access to that last letter so you can get access to the entire invite go ahead and solve that but the invite in and if you guys are lucky you will be able to get access to palace book